Well, if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to two passages. You can also open up uh, today's message with all of its notes um, uh, on the Bible app. Uh, You can also go to calvary.online, click today's message. It'll go right to the Bible app, and you'll see it there. And you can also write down your own notes. Well, uh, today I want to begin a message that's going to go for the next three weeks called uh, Strengthened by the Seed. Strengthened by the Seed. this message today is uh, probably not full of stories and, and anecdotes and all the rest because of how it came to me. How, uh, and now, these uh, types of encounters with God, uh, especially one that gave birth to the moment that I'm standing in right now, um, they don't come often. But when they come, um, we have to steward it. And so today, I want to give you something I know God is speaking. A couple of Fridays ago, as we, when we were in the, the, uh, the series called uh, uh, The Ancient Path of Wisdom, and many of you remember that, how God was exposing that there is a Babylon spirit right now, literally a spirit of confusion that has come upon the world, and that God is showing us how to, how to stand in the crossroads and to pray and to watch and to ask where the good way is, and that he would show us where the good way is. And I had been personally praying that which, which I was preaching. I was saying, God, we're at a crossroads as a nation. We're at a, at, at a, a, a crossroads as a church. Show us where the good way is. And I went to bed a Thursday night and Friday morning, early on a Friday morning, which for, for us here is, is our Sabbath. Friday is generally our Sabbath. That means it's a day the offices are closed on Friday. Um, and you say, why do you close the offices on Friday? Because our office is open on Sunday. I don't know if you figured that out yet. So, uh, so we work on Sunday, so we need a Sabbath. Why? Because you'll never experience the blessing of the Sabbath if you don't observe the principle of the Sabbath. I'm just going to help you guys today. Well, this isn't about the Sabbath. But, so on a Friday morning, as I'm, it's my day off. Only God didn't get the memo. And it's early in the morning, early. Sun's not up yet. And the voice of the Lord woke me up. Whether it was audible or just in my spirit, it came so strong, it shook me awake. It was as if someone was standing in the room and spoke these words to me, and it literally roused me from my sleep and set me on a course of pursuit that led me to today and will will complete over the next couple of weeks. And the voice of the Lord came to me and said something I'd never heard before. And he said this, it is time to eat the nine seeds. And I'm like, what? That's not a Bible verse. It's just, I knew it was God who spoke it to me. I knew that it was, it was saying that the Lord, it was time to consume something. Now, in that moment, you're, you're awake, you're alive, you're aware of God's presence. God speaks to you almost like an audible voice. I'm, in my, I'm up, believe it or not, no one's awake in my house. You know, I have a lot of kids and, and, and dog, dogs aren't stirring. And now I am very awake and very aware. So what do you do in the moment when you hear something that you don't know what the answer is? You Google it. That's what I did. I did. I Googled it. I just said, I said, 
the nine seeds we should eat. And immediately an article popped up about nine seeds we should eat. Now I'm there reading, it's early in the morning and I'm like reading and finding out that wild rice is really a seed. It's a grass seed. I had no idea. By the way, this is not a message on, on you eating better, okay? I'm just letting you know. This is not on that, okay? Uh, and so I, I couldn't believe that there was an article with the title that God had spoken to me, the exact title. The nine seeds we should, you should begin to eat. And I was like, wow. So there are nine specific seeds in nature that we're supposed to eat in order to be in health. Then I knew God was saying there are nine spiritual seeds that God wants us to consume in this day so that we can live in spiritual health. In the midst of virus, in the midst of the last days, in the midst of a Babylon spirit trying to rain down and keep us in confusion, not knowing the way of wisdom, not knowing the right step or the, the right way, God says, if you'll eat these nine seeds, you'll get healthy. So I said, okay, I know these are spiritual seeds because 1 Peter chapter uh, 4 says this, you have been born again, not of perishable seeds, but of imperishable. That means eternal seeds through the living and enduring word of God. I knew the word of God was going to show me nine things, nine things that we were to consume in this last hour. And the word of God, you, could, you just need to get this. If, you are, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling like, man, I have no spiritual energy, my zeal is down, it's probably because there's something in the word of God you have not consumed. You may know it, but you haven't taken it in. So the word of God is the eternal seed that nourishes us in every season. And this is why Jesus says, when being tempted... Uh, in the desert, after fasting 40 days, uh, Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Not some of the words, but by every word. And if you understand anything about bread, it actually comes from the wheat berry. It comes from the seed of that wheat that's crushed up. And then it becomes the main staple of your diet. By the way, the main staple of your spiritual nourishment in this season needs to be the seed, the eternal seed of the word of God. And if you are going to get into the ark of safety, which we heard mentioned just a few, day, a few moments ago here, it will be because I said, I saw what was in God's word and I consumed it. I took it in. It nourished me and changed my life. Yeah. Now, notice Christ said every word. We need the whole counsel of God's word in order to maintain our spiritual uh, vitality. But you're, you're probably asking, okay, okay, what are the nine seeds? Well, when we as a church begin to face the dilemma of the coronavirus and, and all of the adjustments that we need to make, of course, we shut down church for six weeks. We did feel as if God had prepared us as a body unlike any other around here. We felt like we could broadcast. We felt like we could do things well. We felt like people would really be encouraged uh, uh, through joining us and the various platforms. And we felt like the worship would be, you know, that it would actually sound good. Anybody in this day, you've seen everybody's broadcasting, but some people's broadcast, man, it's hard to endure because the sound is really bad or whatever, you know? And so we felt like God prepared us two years ago for a moment we didn't see coming. Yeah. 
And, and, and here we are, we get into that moment, and we're like, God, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And then the Lord spoke so clearly to me out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and he said, he, he said listen, here is the prescription for mental health in the midst of shaking. And he showed it to me, and we're going to cover three of those seeds. The first day we did daily prayer, the first time, listen, if you haven't joined us for daily prayer at 9 a.m. online or in the house, you need to get connected to what God is doing through this place in prayer because that is why we are flourishing. That's why you're actually being nourished. That's why you feel God's presence in here. It's because people have said, God, we're going to bow our knee to you and we're going to plug into whatever you want to say and do. It's, it's why 20 kids got born again on Friday night and people are being filled with the Spirit and people People are being encouraged. It is why. It's, and, and so the very first thing we prayed for was out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. About a month later, God said, go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 and look again. And I looked again, and it turns out that before, uh, I, I saw that there were, there were more things there. Well, it turns out that there are exactly nine instructions from 1 Thessalonians 5. You say, why are you bringing up 1 Thessalonians 5? Here's why. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5 give us some of the clearest insight about the last hour of any passages. This is where we begin to know that Jesus Christ is coming back with the shout of the archangel and with the trump of God. This is where we know the dead in Christ will rise. Then we which are alive and remain will be caught up and we will meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's where we get the end time clear view of what will take place in the final hour. Hour. And then all of a sudden, the nine seeds show up. There are nine instructions. It's a checklist. And by the way, it's way easier to follow than like instructions from Ikea furniture, okay? <laughs> way easier. It's not like that. This is like really clear, really clear. And as a shepherd today, I want you to be nourished by this. But listen, it won't be enough if you just hear them. James 1 actually tells us that we can actually hear something, agree with it, but if we don't do it, we actually can enter into deception. We deceive ourselves. So... I want to give you these nine seats because I believe God is saying it's time to consume them. It's time to take them in and be nourished by them and grow in it and do it. So let me give it to you today. This is the checklist from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. This is just a real read readable version. I, also, I study the New King James Version. So I'm going, to, I'm going to just kind of give you some insight some of some of the word meanings and stuff as we go along here. But first, the first seed in the checklist is this. If you want to be nourished in the last hour, you're going to have to consume the seed of covering The seed of covering. In verse 12, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. 
They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. Now, first of all, I am going to say that I argued with God. This is like one thing that I personally, as a pastor, I don't want to preach this. Why? Because I happen to be a spiritual leader that this is talking about. So it could come off as being a little self-serving. I mean, we as parents have done this. Notice how this verse starts. Brothers and sisters, the idea is, is that the church is a spiritual family. And sometimes we take ideas from scriptures and we lord it over you know, our kids and say, You better honor me. By the way, that is the first commandment with promise. Honor the Lord, honor your father and mother, for this is right. We know it is, and it's the first commandment with promise that that you may what? Live long. Why? Because you don't honor your dad, he's probably gonna kill you. (laughs) Do not dishonor your mother. You have to go to sleep. She's way more sneaky than you think. It is. It's a first commandment with promise, but you think, you know what? We as parents, we could actually get in the place where we're saying, honor, 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 and we're saying it from the wrong place. And we as spiritual leaders, the the temptation is is to use spiritual authority to manipulate the masses. But I want to tell you, no one here at, at Calvary Church is interested in living your life for you. We have enough life of our own to live. Here's what we are interested in, though, your spiritual health and you, you coming into all that God has for you. You say, Pastor, every week it feels like you're preaching just to me. I am. I am unapologetically. Why? Because it's not me. It's God speaking through me to you. And the way that you receive all that God has for you is by honoring the gifts that stand in front of you. Honor means to esteem. Honor means to value. If you just sit out there and say, oh, that's just Pastor Otis. Oh, that's just Pastor Luke up there. Boy, he just likes his guitar. (laughs) So that's why he sings. Oh, that's just Pastor Luke. You know what happens? You'll never receive the anointing and the miracle and the grace that's supposed to fall on you in worship because you dishonor by saying, that's just familiar to me. How do, you say, how can you say that with great confidence? It's because it's, because it's exactly what Jesus said when he was ministering in, in Nazareth, the place he grew up as a child. He grows up in the place called Nazareth. He is called Jesus the Nazarene. He, the, Nazareth was blessed with the light of Christ, and yet he was rejected in Nazareth because they were like, isn't that just Joseph's son? Well, as a matter of fact, he is Joseph's son, but he is more than Joseph's son. Trace the lineage. He's the son of God. But if you make him common, Jesus says these words, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. Among his own relatives and in his own house. Look at that scripture. Come on, put it up there. Verse 4. Click. 
A prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. Now, notice this, he could do no mighty work. Wait a minute. We're talking about Jesus. The omnipotent one. I'll say it as a theologian, omnipotent. As a southerner, he's omnipotent. Really potent. That means powerful. Wait, wait, wait. Read the words. It's Mark 6, 5. He could do no mighty work there. People ask, is there anything Jesus couldn't do? The answer is yes, in Nazareth. Why? Because he entered into an atmosphere where there was dishonor and unbelief. By the way, the other scripture that describes this, I believe it's Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. He says he could not do any mighty work there because of their unbelief. Their actually familiarity, familiarity with Jesus actually led them to a place of dishonor, which led them to the place of unbelief. And listen, if you are ever going to get what God has for you in this house, whether you're in Calvary Kids, whether you're in Ambassador Student Ministries, or you're here on a Sunday morning, or you're in a worship night, it will be because you honored the gifts. You love the seed of covering. You see the spiritual gifts, the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, the teachers, the apostles as gifts from Jesus himself. You just don't say, oh yeah, that's just those guys. No, you honor, you esteem, you value Dishonor and unbelief will rob you of the fullness of what God wants to do. This is the checklist, the end time checklist. And let me say it to you in another way. We, us, are better together. We're better together. I've heard so many, I'm trying to get the right word. I, no, don't say foolish, don't say ignorant deceived Christians who think the fullness of their life connected to the, the local church is now going to be online for the rest of their life. It's deception. We, listen, we do that as an outreach. We're doing it right now. God bless you. We love you. Let the presence of God hit you on your couch in those giraffe PJs you're wearing, whatever it is. <laughs> But listen, listen, we, we cannot disobey the scripture which says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And listen, all the more as you see the day, the last day approaching. He's like, listen, you don't need to be just getting together once a month or 1.9 times a month if you are a faithful church attender these days. No, he says all the more. We ought to be thinking about how can we pray on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? How can we believe for a move of God in youth on a Friday and get our spirits ready on Saturday for an outpouring on Sunday? We ought to be saying, Lord, I love the seed of covering. I love what you're saying to me from the pulpit. It's not what Pastor Otis is saying. It's not what Pastor Luke is singing. It's not what Pastor Corey is preaching, young person, or what pa Pastor Carl is laying 
playing out for our children. It is what God is saying. And if we are going to thrive in the last hour, it will be because we ate and consumed the seed of covering. God gives us spiritual gifts for our good. And I want to tell you, let me make this clear. You are not here to promote my ministry, our ministry. It is not why you're here. The reason we are here is to promote your ministry. Jesus himself gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. It means all of you are to be held up here, uh, lifted up here. But those of us who fall under the sway of the lie of the land and a Babylon spirit says, I can do it without the local church. I can be a Christian without going to church. The problem is you just can't be a biblical one. Come on, I feel like my parents right now. You know, you know your parents? You need to eat that. I am living in nearly, not quite, haven't reached it yet, nearly, I've been almost five decades on this planet. As a young man, I would have never imagined that there would come a day when, when I would like Brussels sprouts. Well, it actually turns out I just really like butter, but uh, <laughs> really like butter. But butter makes me able to eat Brussels sprouts, and, and there is something in them that nourishes me, and it's good for me. And I can imagine that based upon some of your own church experience and your own church background and the idea of actually connecting to spiritual authority in a healthy way actually terrifies you. And you thought to yourself, I will never consume that. I will never do that. But God is saying, we got to flip this on its head because the plan of the last hour in order for you to thrive is actually to consume the seed of covering. It's to come under cover. It's to come into agreement with what God is saying in a community so God God can do what he wants to do in a region. Yes. You're not meant to face the last hour on your own. Young people, honor your parents. Because that's how it starts, brothers and sisters. It's a spiritual family. The church is a spiritual family. But brothers and sisters, listen. Listen. Honor your spiritual leaders. Honor your small group leaders. Honor those who are laboring over you. Youth, honor your, honor your, your youth leaders. Honor the, the pastors who are over you. Honor them. Not because you want to honor them as a person, but the gift that is flowing through them to you to see you nourished by God. That's number one. Secondly, each of us needs to consume the seed of ministry. Now, we're just going down the list. We're going line by line. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says this. Verse 14, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid and take care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. I want you to notice something. There are a lot of people in need of ministry in this verse. A lot of people in need. Wouldn't you agree that there's a lot of people today who are in need of ministry? 
But I want you to know something. This verse is not just, it's not written to those who are in need of ministry. Who's it written to? Those who have been made ready to minister. He's saying to us, he's saying, listen, uh, you are to urge those or warn those. That word warn uh, is is actually um, translated instruct. Those who are lazy, uh, that word lazy in the Greek could actually mean uh, unruly. Those who are not living by God's direction and design. Those who are just choosing to do what they, it says, I urge you to instruct. I, it says, encourage. Take tender care. What is this saying? He's saying there will be people in the last hour who are strong in God, who are able to know the will of God, hear the voice of God, and give instruction to those who are not moving forward in the kingdom of God. And guess who that is? Guess who is called to do that? Everyone. So when you read this verse and you think, oh, that's me. Well, no one in here thinks, well, yeah, I'm lazy. (laughs) You might be. (laughs) Another translation says the faint-hearted. Anybody run into any faint-hearted people this day? Do you see this? This is a seed. It's the seed of ministry. First Peter says it this way. As each one of you has received a gift to minister, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one of you has received a gift. Each one of you has something to minister. And listen, if you have been born again through Christ, if you've been baptized in his spirit, listen, you don't, you don't need to just go from service to service going, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. I don't know. Help me, help me. You've got to eat the seed of ministry. There's a secular study that was done where a a group of sociologists tracked 2,000 people for five years. Americans. And of these that were tracked, those who, who marked themselves as being very happy, here's what they noticed about those people. They ministered or served, because it wasn't a, wasn't a Christian study, they served others at least 5.8 hours a week. Let me just make that clear. An hour a day for six days a week they served someone else. And, that, and the, psych, the sociologists were like, oh, this is life changing. People will be happy if they serve other people. We had to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars <laughs> following people around with notebooks for five years. When all we had to do all along was open up 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 
and consumed the seed of ministry, we could have saved the money and helped the poor and actually been happy for 2,000 years. Hello? Now listen to me. If you're not serving people and you agree with this, you'll end up in deception. You'll end up in a bad place. This is God calling us to do something. Chris, Chris Hodges said this recently. He said, the antidote of needing ministry is to do ministry. Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the, Church of the Highlands. The antidote uh, for, of needing ministry is to actually do ministry. By the way, we're all going to need ministry at, at, at one point or another. By the way, when do we minister to others? Today. The scripture says, encourage one another while it's still called today. Lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. When should you be ministering to other people? Every day. When should you be serving others? Every day. If you want to thrive in the end times, it won't be because you shut the door and said, ah, virus. Even if you are vulnerable, pick up the phone. FaceTime somebody. I mean, preach to the person on the other end of the line. Say, I don't got much revelation, but I think I know Psalm 23. I don't got much revelation, but I read Psalm 27 today. I mean, pick up the phone and start ministering to somebody. Some of you just need to walk to that old mirror and start ministering to that one. Someone's like, when are they going to see me? When are they going to? When are they going to know I need ministry? When are you going to recognize all the ministry opportunities around you and begin to step into it? And the grace to be happy is probably found when God starts flowing through you to meet the needs of other people. We've got to consume the seed in this hour. We can't agree that this is the right thing to do and do nothing we got to leave this place today and say, how can I serve somebody? How can I, how can I encourage somebody? How can I lift somebody else up? I've got to do it. You're wondering about, man, I'm dealing with depression. Could, be that you, could it be that your isolation has cut you off from the very thing that God wants you to step into that's keeping you from your purpose? You're like, man, I just feel, you say, Pastor Otis, what you are saying is in direct conflict with the CDC. I really appreciate all of the wisdom connected to the virus. I really do, honestly. It helped us as a leadership team. But there are weightier words. There are weightier words that are to lead and guide us. Weightier words. I'm not saying to be foolish. I'm saying allow God's word to hold, hold sway of your life and choose to consume the seeds of serving others and ministering to other people and start now. Start now. The third seed that we're strengthened by in this list is in verse 15, and it says, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other. And to all people, notice what this says. See that no one pays back evil for evil, 
but always tries to do good, always try to go further. Listen, it's saying, listen, you're not living in an age of eye, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. He said, listen, don't repay back, but don't pay back evil for evil. Listen, don't just give mercy to people, okay? He's saying, don't just do evil for evil. That would be normal. But when someone treats you wrongly, give them grace. We need to consume the seed of grace. It's the seed of grace. You say, what is grace? See, mercy is us not getting what we deserve. I know what the person in line deserves when you accidentally left your mask in the car and you're in the store and they look at you hidden like you can't see their expression but you see the squint in their eye. And from behind the veil comes a voice, where is your mask? I know in that moment you want to return evil for evil. I know you do. I know. And I know it's hard to just, just even give them mercy. Let me say it to you this way. <laughs> See, so you're laughing because most of you have done it. You're like, oh, Stupid mask. Stupid people. You know, it's like. That's how we feel. And um, let, let me say it to you this way. In the last hour, don't give people what they deserve. Give them what they need. You know. Think of it from God's perspective. He didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us what we needed. And what we needed was more than grace. I mean, more than mercy. We needed God to, in his mercy, to give us grace. His undeserved favor that through the cross of Jesus Christ and faith in him, we could become something we could have never become on our own. See, mercy says, I'll just, I'll just cancel out your sins. Grace says, I'll make you a son or a daughter of God. Grace gives you what you could never earn. But listen, I want you to know today, grace has a face and his name is Jesus. So when I speak of grace, I'm speaking of Jesus but grace is not only God's undeserved favor. Grace is not only a savior. Let me put it that way. And I'm not trying to negate that in any way. We all need grace to be our savior. But grace is our teacher. Grace not only saves, but grace teaches. Titus chapter 2, we, we see that the scripture says in verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared unto all men. That brings salvation has appeared to all men. Who's that talking about? It's talking about Jesus teaching us that. What did he teach us? That denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope. Here's the end times. 
looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Notice these last words, zealous for good works. So grace comes and saves us. Grace comes and teaches us. And those who have received and consumed the seed of grace become zealous us to give grace. That's what this says. We live in an hour where everybody wants to sue everybody over everything. I'll just sue them. Can I just tell you? That's not what people need and it's not what you need. You need to consume the seed of grace. And that's not just saying evil for evil. It's saying, I'm going to bless those who curse me. I'm going I'm to pray for those who spitefully use me. Grace will take you farther. And it's what we need in this hour.